Texas Tech just lost to Oklahoma. A little bit of a disappointing game. But nonetheless, the Red Raiders um, have dropped a game for the first time in what feels like forever since they lost in double overtime. Fog Allen, Red Raiders lose to Oklahoma. We'll be breaking down the game, what happened, and how they can avoid it happening again coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech. Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, which we are currently recording live on. If you are subscribed to our channel, make sure that you have our notifications on so that you can get notified whenever we do go live like this. But I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. I'm joined by Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst and podcaster. And we just watched Texas Tech play their worst game of the season easily yeah i mean like the gonzaga loss was was bad but it it, that that game just felt like really good execution um from an opponent that was just just better than you like i think gonzaga is like consensus one of the top three teams in the country right now but this one, it, it felt like you had the talent to win this game. It felt like you had the scheme to really limit what they wanted to do against you, um, and, and you just you just came out kind of flat, and and you end up losing this game, seventy to fifty five on the road. Um, obviously, no team's going to be perfect. No team's going to go undefeated, um, but definitely one that feels like it was within the reach of Texas Tech, and just just feels like they got out schemed a little bit and obviously things happen on on the floor and players make shots emoja gibson had a monster night tonight but i felt like that was a lot less about him going nuclear and, and more just about oklahoma just just scheming around texas tech's defense really really well and just being able to create open shots i mean this was just this was a murder from behind the arc and Kind of indicative of some of the problems that we saw from Texas Tech earlier in the season that they've been able to alleviate on the glass and inside. But, oh man, like Porter Moser put together a clinic tonight. I mean, to completely take away Bryson Williams while your team is struggling to shoot from deep, it it just makes it impossible for you to win games like this. Yeah, for me, what stings about this one is I feel like this was the first time all season where the opposing team just simply had a better game plan than what Tech had. And I don't think that's necessarily an indicative of a negative on Mark Adams. I think that game planning in college basketball can be really complicated. There's a lot of factors that go in, but man, I mean, that Oklahoma defense, what they were able to do to mitigate the post advantage that Tech had and limiting Bryson Williams, limiting Kevin O'Banner, really making life really difficult all night for Tech on the inside. Um, all of those kind of contributed to playing into Oklahoma being able to pull away. And I think that for the, for the most part, Tech's offense in the first half wasn't bad. They were able to get a lot of transition looks, but certainly 
in the second half. It just all fell apart in the half court. And then on the off on the defensive side of things for Tech, I mean, anytime you give up 13 threes in a game, you're probably going to lose, especially when you only make two of your own. And the last time that Tech had gave up 13 or more threes was against a Baylor team last year, and Macy Oteague hit like 10 of them. So it's been a while, even with the struggles from behind the arc early on in the season, it wasn't this bad. So not really sure what went down there. I think that if you look at how Oklahoma was able to sort of dissect the defense, there's a lot of skip passes, a lot of really good ball movement. And then Emoja Gibson had a really nice game individually. And I think that that's going to be how teams are able to beat Tech this year, is just having that skip passes, being able to exploit some of the perimeter mismatches. I felt like Tech's defense struggled to be disciplined on rotations a little bit, which is something that we've really not seen out of them. It's a little bit uncharacteristic to have them struggle on closeouts and kind of overplaying some, but we saw it today. And unfortunately that's just something that has been, has been mitigated, but to have it pop up in this game was unfortunate and couple that with probably your worst offensive output since the Gonzaga game. And it's just a recipe for disaster. And I think that there's some of it that you can say is down to game planning and some of it that's just down to needing to have better execution out of the roster, hitting more shots and making smarter decisions, closing out. Yeah, and, like, I I do feel like there was a lot of variance in this game. Like, Tech's not going to go 2 for 17 from, from deep in many contests. Emoja Gibson and guys like him aren't going to go 8 for 11 in a lot of games. I mean, that's just, those are those are outliers. I think that's fair to say. But I think it's a little unfair and a little unhealthy to just chalk this one up to variance and, and just say... This one's dropped because, you know, the opponent had an otherworldly night shooting the ball and you had a very, very forgettable night shooting the ball. I think that there's a better and a healthier middle to be found and just kind of realizing, hey, um, Texas Tech did not make shots and Oklahoma did. Any night that happens, you're probably not going to win the game. But the way that Oklahoma was able to make shots was like you mentioned they they really schemed up a lot um, just outside of the ball, off the ball. There was a lot of really good cuts, a lot of good movement off ball, which I know was something you mentioned in your preview. I did not think that that would be as big of an issue for Texas Tech as it ended up being tonight. And then Emoja Gibson just really, really got the best of Texas Tech's perimeter defense. I don't remember the last time this season that a guy has really done that to Tech's perimeter defense. And then the way to just really scheme around Bryson Williams and, and force him to take it to the weak side, take it baseline and, and try and score a really difficult basket. I mean, he has a, he had as many field goals as he had turnovers tonight. And and when you're having a two for 17 night from the perimeter, that just can't happen. And so, um, you know, there's variance here. I feel like that's fair. If you want to hang your hat on the variance end, I, I see why you're inclined to do so, but I think you've also got to kind of just accept the fact that Texas Tech, um, this is the blueprint that we saw Kansas State execute. And again, in that game, I felt like there was a ton of variance, and even Bryson Williams was able to get shots in that game. Um, and that's why this one feels a lot more lopsided, I think, is because there was variance, and there was a really good execution, um, but there was there was nothing for Texas Tech. Oklahoma took it all the way tonight. 
Yeah, let's be real. This isn't going to be something that's going to be like, oh, every game from here on out, opponents are going to be able to execute flawlessly. Like, Porter Moster is a really good coach at, at scheming things up. Oklahoma, coming into this game, had a strength of moving well without the basketball. Now, they had a really good shooting night. I think Emoja Gibson, expecting him to continue to shoot 70% from three, probably isn't going to happen. And as a team, they're more along the lines of a 35 to 36% team on the, on the night when they get those types of qualities of looks rather than a 47% shooting team. So there's variance involved in that for sure. But I still think that you have to tip your cap to how Oklahoma State or Oklahoma was able to game plan in this one and just look at, I mean, the defensive effort from them was absolutely incredible. And if you look at Bryson Williams, I felt like this was one of the games that we had seen kind of earlier in the season where he kind of struggled to pass out of double teams, pass out of rotations, and it kind of reared his ugly head again. I think that it's not – he's still a really good player, really dangerous offensively. You get him one-on-one in the post, you get him off the short roll, he can be very valuable. But I think that this is the issue when you have such a post-dominant threat that can be – doubled and can be limited due to his shortcomings as a passer and as a dribbler. And those are just flaws that you're going to have to live with with this roster. It's not a good shooting roster. It's average by most means, sometimes below average. So when you have a roster that's not able to shoot like that and you have a big that's not necessarily great at passing or kind of processing out of the post and a team executes their defensive game plan as well as OU did tonight, you're going to have to rely on some variance. You're going to have to rely on guys making plays in the lane, making really good cuts, and that just simply didn't happen. And, again, it's probably not going to be something that's going to happen every night, but it is the recipe for beating this team is offensively to really execute skip passes well, move the ball well, have great off-ball movement, and then on the defensive end, force Bryson Williams to pass and make sure that you're not giving up open driving lanes. And I think that you want to look at weaknesses of that this team. I think that's where you're going to find them. And it's still not some indictment on the team. It's, this is still a really good Tech team. And even with everything that went on tonight, there was still an avenue for Tech to win the game all the way until about two and a half, three minutes left. So it is what it is. But certainly, I mean, there's things to clean up for sure. And obviously, Oklahoma played a really good game. And I think you just have to live with that. Yeah, not a doomsday loss by any means. And I want to talk a little bit about why and how certain individual players can really help alleviate that right after a word from our sponsor. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game this Sunday. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. It is Super Week, brought to you by GetUpside, and there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcasts. Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams are in LA all week covering the big game, so make sure that you are checking out what they did. Saw my buddy Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints doing an interview with Ian Book today, so I know that there's a lot. A really good content coming out of LA but nonetheless um, not a Super Bowl type win or even performance as Tech ended up losing by 15 on the road to Oklahoma um, just kind of a deflating loss it feels like a little bit um, you know you were you were rolling you, you 
you know, you've beaten Bazin, you've beaten Kansas, you're coming off a big win against Texas, you get a really gritty win over West Virginia. This Oklahoma game is kind of the back half of your first ever two-game road stand, and, and you lose it, and it can feel a little bit deflating, but I think when you look at the box score from this Texas Tech team, there are a lot of guys, um, really just pretty much everyone on on the roster who just did not make um, a ton of things happen for this team tonight, and, and you're going to have nights like that. I don't think it's an indictment of anybody's talent or anyone's effort or anyone's hustle. You're just going to draw blanks sometimes, and, and tonight was definitely that. If, if we want to take a look at some of the bright spots, um, I thought Kevin O'Banner was pretty good. He, he definitely had some possessions where um, the decision-making was a little bit questionable. Um, some some defensive issues with just getting into foul trouble with him on the floor, but generally I, I thought that he played a pretty good game on offense. Again, the shots are just not going down for him. It, it's really confusing, got to be really frustrating for him, but I felt like he found a way to continue to contribute even when um, he wasn't getting those those deep shots to go in, which is what we've known him to do for so long. But um took just two shots in the second half and made them both so good efficiency but again on a night like tonight you just needed a little bit more from everybody but I think part of why he he was quieter than I thought he could have been was because Oklahoma took away the glass really really well tonight and I think that whenever Texas Tech gets beat on the perimeter they they really have been able to use the offensive glass to kind of alleviate some of those issues but tonight I mean again you just got out out schemed and, and out executed in really every single aspect of the game. Um, days like that, you have nights like that, um, and, and it's not forty minutes of pretty basketball. The team won't like watching this one again on film, but it happens. Yeah, that's the thing. There's a lot to look at, and this fact that Tech only hit two three pointers that's an outlier because. It's only happened twice since 2016, and the fact of the matter is, even even with an offense that hasn't been great shooting the ball and has had sort of struggles, has had variance, you still would expect them to hit more than two threes. And to couple with that, the lack of offensive rebounding, both of O'Banner's points in the second half were off of putbacks, and we saw a little bit more activity on the offensive glass in the second half, but still just not what you were hoping for on that end. And I think that Really, it goes down the line of the roster. O'Banner was efficient from inside. I felt like he had a couple of nice mid-range shots early in the game and then a couple of nice putbacks late in the game. You had a decent effort from TJ Shannon. I felt like he was really aggressive at getting to the rim, and that's something that we've kind of missed a little bit recently, kind of continuing the trend against West Virginia that we saw last game. And then, obviously, had a couple of good mid-range shots as well. And then you also had... A good start to the game by Kevin McCuller where he hit his first three shots, but then he went one of eight afterwards. So it was kind of like that throw off across the board. There were a couple of good plays by a lot of guys, but just couldn't string anything together. And that's going to happen. I mean, it's the Big 12. It's an 18-game fight. You're going to have games where guys just can't put it together. And I think this was one of the rare cases where really nobody on the roster was able to have a real good, consistent effort. And, I mean, you look across the box score, and, yeah, McCuller and shit. McCuller and Shannon ended up in double figures, but both of them had their struggles throughout the game. Shannon, I think, in the second half got a little bit reckless. I think McCuller, his shot just was not dropping after the first half, and it is what it is. At the end of the day, it's still an offensive output that you're probably not going to repeat, 
like line for line this season. Again, the three pointers, you're not going to have another game, I think, where you go two of 17. I mean, if you do, you're almost certainly going to lose that game. And that that's what it boils down to is just making shots. And I don't think the three point looks were particularly bad. They just weren't necessarily dropping. And that is what it is. I think there's things to work on in terms of like Bryson Williams passing out of the post and certainly being more prepared for a team like Oklahoma sending sending doubles and rotating guys over. But you're not going to win many games when you're not making shots. So when the other team couples that with the performance, that's probably a little bit of an outlier on there. And it just, it makes for a tough night. And I think we mentioned earlier, I don't think it's just down the variance. I think there's a lot of credit that has to go to Porter Moser for putting together a really good game plan. Probably the best that Tech has faced all season, but still this is a game you wish you had back. You wish you could have guys being able to shoot the ball better. And you wish you could have maybe done a little bit better work in terms of just limiting what OU could do from the perimeter, but certainly not one of those things I think that you're going to lose a ton of sleep on when it comes to the long-term outlook of this team. I was going to ask you what you thought about TJ's performance tonight, so I'm glad you hit on that. I thought that he was pretty good as well. I think we're continuing to see in Big 12 play kind of the um, pros and cons of the aggressive nature that we saw in the non-con slate where it was like, oh man, TJ can just get to the rim whenever he wants. And, and, and there's still part of that in his game. Um, but now he's getting to the rim, but he's also kind of um, forcing the issue at times and creating turnovers. And especially when he's not fully healthy and his burst is not 100%, that, that's just difficult to do consistently. Yeah, and I think I like Chris Patola as a, as a uh, color analyst, but I also think that his comment about TJ being a little bit of a bull in the China shop, I think it's, it's right in a vacuum, but I think it kind of lacks a little bit of context because TJ can play well within himself. We've seen it at times over the last couple of years where when he's playing within a half court offense and he's not trying to be the guy, he can be more relaxed. He can act as a facilitator. We even saw it at points early on in the season where he had to be a lot of the prime, do a lot of the primary ball handling stuff. But in this game in particular, he struggled with being in the second half with adjusting to the fact that OU was just rotating a ridiculous amount of guys into the lane. I think that that's something we've seen in particular in conference play where teams are really kind of stopping the drive and he puts his shoulder down and he can't really recognize the passing. I think some of that, some of that's going to improve as he gets more into game shape, continues to get more well-rounded in terms of how he fits in with his half-court offense and making better passes because it was there in moments during the non-conference sleep. But beyond that, I mean, his jump shot, it, it has to come around at some point because it's one of those things where he's been shooting, I think, 18% from three against top 100 teams this year. And that's bound for some positive regression. And I think the two, the couple of mid-range shots that he hit early on in this game were a good sign that maybe he was starting to kind of get that back a little bit. Obviously, he hit the three in the first half. And in general, I'm confident that his game's going to continue to get better as the season progresses. But as a whole, I thought, it, I mean, TJ played a decent game. I don't think that you could say that he was necessarily a major positive. I don't think anyone on the roster was. But I also think that there were much bigger reasons why Tech lost this game. And I think it's mainly just a collective effort as opposed to one individual player having a really rough night. Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about literal positive and negatives, you, you can look at the box score and, and look at the plus minus, which is a very flawed stat. I think we both would agree on that in terms of just raw 
raw data, but TJ was one of two players that was a positive for Texas Tech and plus minus. He was plus four, while uh, Bryson Williams was plus three, which feels um a little and little a little uh, illuminating to some of the flaws with plus minus and how it kind of tries to encapsulate everything into one number. But I've got a confession to make. I'm gonna do it right after another word from our sponsors. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Emery, I got a confession. I, I never thought that I would be saying it, but I'm going to come clean. I could have used a lot more Clarence Nadolny in this game, man. I never thought I'd hear the day where you said that. Uh, truly shocking. You know, if we had come into the season and I and you would have told me that at some point you'd be saying, man, I wish we had more Clarence Nadolny. I never would have believed it. I am a... I am a bandwagon of all bandwagons right now. I I think a lot of Texas Tech's issues tonight were defensive, and I think that what Oklahoma was able to execute on your defense was just really rough. And I, I feel like Clarence Nadolny could have been a, a nice asset to have out there on the court and, and just giving Emoja Gibson all he's got. And I think that Gibson tonight, see, that's what's difficult to, to evaluate this with, is because Gibson was really taking advantage of Texas Tech's aggressiveness and their desire to kind of close out on shots, go for pump fakes. Um, that got Texas Tech into a lot of trouble. And so I don't know if projecting Clarence and only to do um, be conservative and not over-aggressive on defense is exactly a smart move on my part, but I just feel like as a pure disruptor, I think I think he would have liked to see a little bit more from him. Um, he just got, I think it was four minutes tonight. Yeah, four minutes, had a steal on a board, and, and he was done. That was his night. Um, obviously, you, you needed some offensive production as well, so I understand why his minutes were a little bit lower in that category, um, but... Man, I I just I just really feel like I I could have used a little bit more more from Clarence Sandolni. Yeah, the thing about Gibson that really got me tonight was, I believe he generated eleven points off of pump fake into threes because he had three that he hit that were directly off of actually four, so fourteen points because he had four total threes that came off of pump fakes of some variety, and then he drew the foul on Davion Warren that was a derivative of having a pump fake. And I think that that speaks It's one of the few negatives that you could say about Tech's individual defenders is you do have a lot of guys that are really kind of antsy and aggressive defenders. I think it's also the way that they're coached to be real aggressive on closeouts. And 90% of the time, you're going to win with that approach because a lot of the guys aren't going to have, A, the shiftiness to be able to think on their feet and sidestep to get in a pump fake, and B, they're not going to have the the selling ability to be able to pull that off in real time. I think that it's a really, really difficult skill to master, but Emoja Gibson really pulled that off well, and I think you have to give him credit there. I agree. I wish we could have seen more Clarissa Dolmy. I think that him and Malik Wilson are probably two of the best guard disruptors that you're going to find. And when you put a guy like Anas Arms or Davion Moore, and both of those guys are good defenders in their own right, but I think they can struggle sometimes comparatively just in their aggressiveness. And you want to talk about off-ball defenders. I mean, 
Malik Wilson, Clarence Sedolin, as well as TJ Shannon, Kevin McCord. That's probably the best quartet off-ball defenders you're going to find. And Gibson did so much of his damage tonight just on being able to locate off the ball, get open looks off of swing passes, and really just move up without the ball. And that's something that Tech at times can struggle to defend against. I think we saw against Agbaji in the Kansas game that he was able to get open quite a bit off off ball looks. And the solution there was to put TJ Shannon on him and kind of um, face guard him basically. And we didn't see that tonight with Gibson. I don't know if that was the right or the wrong call. I think that you could argue it both ways, but certainly a guy like Nadolmi could have helped, I think as well as that, just playing in general, more lineups with TJ with kind of a small ball lineup in general. And there's one guy that I wish I would have seen more of and seen at all. I think you know who I'm talking about. Austin Temperman? No. <laughs> My good friend. Buzo. Yeah. It's been a while. And you know, this would have been the perfect game. Team that runs small ball, not particularly athletic on the inside. Um, a team that you really needed to space against. That was something that I noted in the game in the second half was Oklahoma sold out against tech spacing. And there were possessions where you'd have Bryson William on, Williams on the box, you on the block, you would have someone driving and the cuts would all be coming inside. And they just, the defenders simply weren't migrating out to the perimeter. So a guy like Buzo, who if, even if his shot isn't falling, his off ball movement and gravity is forced teams to kind of defend outwards. That's something that they could utilize. So, man, I wish we would have seen, I wish we would have seen small ball in general, but I wish we would have seen Buzo. Such is life. I think I've resigned to the fact that we're not going to see him in the rotation at all this year. And unfortunately, it sucks because the small ball five lineup against Arkansas in the tournament worked really well. It worked against LSU. It's never failed. I don't think it would have failed tonight, but it is what it is. Guess what Buzo is shooting from deep on the year this season? 13.5%. I didn't even look at the percentage. It's 14.3. He's two for 14. Close enough. That's not sad, good. man. That is not good for the brand. Okay, but if he makes the next 10 shots, he'll be shooting by 50%. Let's go, man. I'm I'm ready if, for it. It'll happen. If he, I believe. If he has a night like a Moshe Gibson has, if he just took one night where he was shooting... The thing, the thing that I will say about Buzo, and this is in all seriousness, is when you have a shooter and they're getting one or two looks per night on basically three or four minutes of run, you're going to have a ton of variance in those numbers. I mean, look at the NBA is a really good example. When you have guys that go in in garbage time and shoot one or two threes or one or two looks in general, it's not like a normal game where you have seven, eight shots off a of sample size because you're throwing someone basically into the cold, into cold water and forcing them to make shots. And I'm, I still hold faith that that percentage isn't representative. I've seen the shot. It looks beautiful. And until I see a representative sample where he's getting significant minutes and still not shooting well, I'm going to continue to believe in the shot, even if the percentages look really ugly. Buzo has not made it a three in Big 12 play since February 6th. 2021 against Kansas State. But man, I'm holding the faith with you. The hive is still strong. We will continue to buy Buzo stock. And man, I hope he's still a Red Raider next season. But I'll buy stock anyways. 
All right. We've got to close. It's your bedtime. One quick thing before we get out of here. You worried at all about what Oklahoma did tonight and TCU being able to execute a little bit of the same? Not really, because TCU, their defense is really athletic on the perimeter. That's something that they have an advantage over compared to Oklahoma. But offensively, I really doubt that they're going to be able to get the level of spacing that Oklahoma was able to get because they don't have a guy like Emoja Gibson. Mike Miles is a really good shot creator, but not really in that sense. He can shoot the ball, but he's more of an off-dribble threat, more of someone that, especially this year, has been co-signed to really creating a lot through the lanes. So I think defensively, they're capable of putting up a similar sort of performance. I will say that in general, from experience, Jamie Dixon is not quite as aggressive in some of his strategies as what we've seen Porter Moser throw at teams. But certainly, DC is a dangerous team, just not really in that style of game plan. So it's possible that they win, but probably not in the nature of hitting 13 threes and really making life hell for Bryson Williams. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit worried about the athleticism, giving Bryson some problems and using a help defender to kind of come onto his strong side and force him to take it baseline. But other than that, like you mentioned, I mean, they're an atrocious three-point shooting team. They're, they're sub-30 right now, um, bottom 20 in the country. They they just do not have that in, in their bag right now. And if, if they go scorched earth from, from deep against Tech, then you're in big trouble. You're, you're in big, big trouble if you're Texas Tech because that's just not – who they are, but I'm I'm with you. I don't think there's a ton of cause of concern here. I think that the athleticism is something to monitor with Bryson, and I think it's something to monitor with Tex guards on the perimeter. But other than that, um, I'm I'm not really losing sleep over the same exact blueprint being executed, just because I feel like these two teams are really different. But we will have plenty more TCU coverage tomorrow. As we preview and take a look at the TCU Horned Frogs before they come to Lubbock on Saturday to play a day game at 3 p.m. in the USA, Texas Tech will be glad to be back on their home court for the first time in two games. We cannot wait to see Raider Riot showing out once again and propelling Texas Tech on the court. In the meantime, until we're back, you can keep up with us on Twitter. You can follow me at LBK. You can follow Emery at Eraser41. And you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube if you have not already. It would be a big, big help to us. I, I know that I say that every single episode, but I truly do mean it. Um, your subscriptions on YouTube are a huge, huge help to the Locked On Texas Tech podcast. And we thank you for tuning in there. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.